Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Last week, I, uh, I talked to you about the joy of the gospel. And I want to continue that talk with you this morning about the joy of the gospel. Uh, so this is part two of that message. We're going to start off looking in Psalms chapter 24. And a version of the Bible that I rarely dive into, but we're going to dive into it this morning a little bit. Uh, it's in the NIV translation. And uh, this actually, this scripture was one of the very first scriptures that I memorized. Now, I'm, I'm a little shaky on it now, but, uh, but I had it memorized uh, as one of the very first ones I did, and it was in the NIV. So that's why we're using the NIV for this this morning. So, so let's just read this, this, uh, this chapter here of Psalms 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The first thing I want to note with this part of the message, this part of the, the passage, is who is in control of the earth right now? The Lord. Listen, this Psalms makes it very clear who owns the world, and he is not going to let go of that anytime soon. He is in full control of the world. The earth is his in the fullness. Everything in it belongs to him, and he has not released that. He has not released that. There's nowhere in the Bible where you can see that he has released his ownership of this world. And so that, this is, that's a total sidetrack of what I'm talking about this morning. But I want to encourage you this morning that the Lord still owns everything in this planet. Amen? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Verse 3. I didn't have verse three. Uh-oh. Looks like we're reading it out of the New King James Version this morning. Proverbs, Psalms 24, a little mistake there on the overhead. I forgot to give them all of the verse. <laughs> Psalms 24. It's before Psalms 23, and, or uh, before Psalms 25 and after Psalms 23. Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those, and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord, the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O you gates, and lift up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Can I get an amen just for Psalms 24 this morning? One of my favorite Psalms in all of the Bible. It says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Listen, at this point in the gospel story, there is only one person who meets that criteria. Jesus. Right? 
Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand before the presence of God? There is only one that meets that criteria, and it is Jesus. Everyone else has dirt on their hands. Everyone else has fallen short of the goodness and the glory of God. Only Jesus at this point had the right and the privilege to ascend the hill of the Lord. But don't you know, all of that has changed. Because of Jesus, all of that has changed. Let's, let's look now uh, at Hebrews 12. I'm going to talk to you this morning about some mountains, okay? Some mountains that are represented in this gospel. Really, too, there's the hill of the Lord, which is represented by Mount Zion. And there is Mount Sinai, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. So Hebrews chapter 12. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12. This is out of the New Living Translation. Hebrews chapter 12, going to start in verse 18. It says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Before we jump into this, I'm going to need a little more energy this morning, all right? You all are so quiet this morning, so I need to practice something. When I say amen, say amen back. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. No, no, all the time. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. That was a test to see how Christian you guys really are. You guys failed miserably. God is good. All the time. There we go. Now we can preach this morning. You all awake? You with me? All right. We were off to a rocky start here, but we're going we're gonna to get into something. All right. So we read this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 about something that occurred actually clear back in Exodus 19. So I want to describe to you a little bit. I'm just going to tell you about it instead of reading it to you. What happened in Exodus 19. So Moses and the Israelites had just been set free from the captivity in Egypt. The 400 year captivity under Egypt and under Pharaoh. It has been two months that they have been wandering in the desert, in the wilderness. And they come to the foot, to the base of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And they decide to set up camp at the base of this mountain. When they set up camp, Moses then ascends this hill, ascends this mountain all the way up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. So he gets up there and he's talking with the Lord. And the Lord tells Moses, he says, hey, I want to establish a covenant with you. I want to establish a covenant with your people. And all I need is their obedience and their single-minded focus on me. And so Moses says, okay, let me go talk to the elders of Israel. So he goes back down and gathers the elders of Israel and he tells them what the Lord had said. And like smart, the smart Israelites they are, they said, we will agree to, the stand, to God's standards. We'll listen. You know, it would be dumb if they said, nah, the guy who just, you know, delivered us out of Egypt, who killed all the Egyptians in one fell swoop, 
we're not going to listen to him, right? So they're, they're, they, they prove themselves well in this moment. They say, yes, we will accept the covenant. We'll do what the Lord asks of us. So Moses walks back up the mountain and he tells the Lord, they've agreed to the terms of the covenant and they will serve you with all of their heart. They'll be obedient to you. And I love what the Lord does in this moment. Because at this point in time, the Israelites hadn't heard the voice of the Lord for themselves. There's always been a mediator. It's always been, you know, Moses talking to God for them. But God looks at Moses and he says, here's what I'm going to do. Here in a couple of days, I'm going to descend from my throne onto Mount Sinai. And I'm going to speak to you in a way that all of Israel will be able to hear my voice. And I just love the heart of the Father in that. And we're going to get on that a little bit more. But the idea that, that he was not content just having a relationship with the Israelites through one man. That he wanted them to hear his voice for themselves. And so he says, I'm going to descend on the hill. But here's the deal. I'm God, right? I'm all-powerful. I, I uh, am omnipotent. It's going to be quite a show, right? I'm going to descend on Mount Sinai. I'm going to come in fire onto the mountain. This, there's going to be smoke that surrounds the mountain because if, if they were to try to gaze upon the Lord, they would die, right? So he covers the mountain in smoke. And, the, and within the smoke, there's lightning and there's thunder and it's this crazy show that is going on. And here's the deal as well. I have to, I'm going to mark out around the mountain a line and if anybody crosses that line and tries to ascend the mountain, then they, will, then they must be stoned to death, that they will be killed. That even if an animal crosses that line, the animal is going to die. This is the picture of what is happening with Moses, is that the glory of the Lord is going to fall, but they had to view the glory from a distance. They had to view the presence of God from a distance. They weren't able to fully engage with the Father because they didn't have clean hands and pure hearts. And so, long story short, long chapter short, God descends on the mountain and begins speaking to the Israelites, and he begins telling them the, the Ten Commandments. He begins giving them the law, begins giving them the terms of the covenant. And it says that the voice of the Lord terrorized them so much that they begged God to stop speaking. Imagine that. They begged God to stop communicating with them. And they begged Moses to be their mediator, to be their go-between, that no longer do we want to hear the voice of the Lord for ourselves, but we want, the, we want Moses to be the mediator, right? They heard the voice of the Lord and they just wet their pants, right? They got too terrified and they begged God to stop speaking and they asked Moses to be the mediator. And I'm going to pause, and this is just another freebie here, but, but this idea of Moses being the mediator that sometimes I think in our Christian walk, we live our covenant through another man's covenant. That instead of us approaching the throne ourselves, we wait for the man of God to approach the throne for us and to bring us a message from the Father. And that's not the way he intended it. And we're gonna see here very shortly that he's made a way where we can ascend the hill of the Lord. 
by ourselves on our own and meet face to face with God. Listen, his covenant with you was never meant to be through another man's covenant. In fact, it won't last. If you're on, the only word you're receiving from the Father is coming through my covenant or through Pastor Ron's covenant or through someone else's covenant on a Sunday morning, then listen, you will not be sustained because your relationship with the Lord was never meant to be sustained through another man. Now listen, you can hear from the Lord through other people. Absolutely. If that wasn't the case, then right now it would be pointless, right? You can hear from the Lord through other people. You can absolutely benefit from another man's covenant, but it is not meant to be sustained. That you must ascend the hill of the Lord for yourself. That you must get a word of the Lord for yourself and your family all on your own. That you have access and the right to draw near. Amen? Totally jumped ahead a little bit there, but that's all right. In fact, if you, if you were to sum Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, down to one idea, to one subject, the book of Hebrews can be described as drawing near. Drawing near. It's all about the, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were not able to come near. Listen, they weren't able to approach Mount Sinai where the presence of the Lord was. But in the New Testament, man, I'm way jumping ahead. That's all right, though. In the New Testament, the, when you come to Mount Zion, now you can run to the presence of the Father. That before, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews tells us that, that the priest would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies where the tabernacle was. They would go in once a year, and even then, they'd have a rope tied around them, and they'd have bells on their feet because it would happen every now and then when they would approach the presence of the Lord that one of them would die, and they'd have to drag them out. They'd listen for the bells. If they didn't hear the bells. They would drag them out of the Holy of Holies. But now it says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That the veil that separated humanity from the Holy of Holies was torn in half when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And now we can draw near by the blood of the covenant. Amen? We can draw near. You cannot be sustained by another man's covenant. You cannot. It will not work. You have to have your own face-to-face -face encounter with God. Amen? So this is what was happening. God ascended onto the mountain and they had to keep their distance. They were not able to approach the throne of grace. And if they tried, then they would be killed. But it says, again, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, you have not come to this mountain. Aren't you thankful that this is not the mountain we live in today? This is not the place we are today. It says, you have not come to this physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness and gloom and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even if an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling." But listen to this. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to a countless thousands of angels in, joyful, in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus 
the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people to the sprinkled blood which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. This is the mountain that we approach. This is the mountain that not only we approach, but we ascend. The hill of the Lord. This is Mount Zion, the hill of the Lord. Let me break this down for you a little bit. This, this is the mountain we are able to ascend because guess whose hands have been made clean? That you are Jacob, the generation that seeks his face, the generation granted access to the hill of the Lord. Let me tell you a little bit again about Hebrews chapter 12. It says, we are members of the church of the firstborn. What does that even mean, right? What does it mean that we are children of the house of the firstborn? The firstborn in the Bible receives the best inheritance from the Father. The firstborn in the house receives the best inheritance from the Father. And it says that we are members of the firstborn. Who was the firstborn, spiritually speaking? Who was the firstborn of God? It says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. But let me read to you what Romans 8 Chapter 17 says, says, since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. What does it just say there? that he is the firstborn among many brethren, but we have been joined to Christ and therefore we are co-heirs with Christ, which means everything that Jesus gets, everything that Jesus has, we receive as well. Everything Jesus inherits, inherits, yeah, receives as an inheritance, we receive as well. That we, this is the mountain we come to. We are now the firstborn of God and we receive everything Jesus comes or Jesus receives as well. Amen. I didn't say it well, but it still deserves an amen, right? Come on. You are considered the firstborn. That, if, man, if I just stopped right there, that was enough good news of the gospel to have some joy. Amen. That we receive everything that the Son of God, the perfect Lamb that was slain, everything he receives, we receive as well. It says as well, it says, we have come to the God who judges all. But here's the deal. He has already judged us through his Son. So yeah, we come to God, the God that was on Mount Sinai. It says later in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that it's the same God that was on Mount Sinai that is on Mount Zion. We have come to that same God where before if they approached, they died. But it says now we come to that same God, but he's already judged the uncleanliness in us in Jesus. So now this is why we can boldly approach the mountain, right? Because we have already been forgiven. That sin has already been judged. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he made him who knew no sin become sin for us, that through him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we come to the God who has already judged sin so we can approach him boldly, amen? We have come to Jesus, 
who established the new covenant with his own blood. The covenant on Mount Sinai was following the blood of Abel that was crying from the ground, justice. That was demanding justice, right? Their encounter at Mount Sinai was, was followed, or the, the encounter at Mount Sinai was, uh, was, the, was, was after Abel had been murdered and the blood cried from the ground for justice to be done. But the mountain we come to has come after Jesus's blood that was shed on the cross. And it says, and his blood cries forgiveness. His blood cries grace and mercy and acceptance. This is the mountain we're coming to. Not the one demanding justice, but the one demanding forgiveness. Amen? What else does it say? I love this. I sk- actually, I skipped this. I wanted to share this part right here. Verse 22 and the B clause of verse 22. It says, we have joined the festival gathering of the myriad of angels in their joyous celebration. I love what Damon Thompson says. He says, if salvation was about going to heaven, then death would be our savior, not Jesus. Let me say it one more time. If salvation was about going to heaven, then death would save us, not Jesus. I love what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12. It says that right now in this moment, we are surrounded by a myriad of angels and joyful celebration. Listen, I'm as excited as anybody else to go to heaven, but the party doesn't start when we get to heaven. The party has already started right now on this earth and we can experience the fullness of joy because we can ascend the hill of the Lord and be in the presence of God right now in this moment and that should fill us with uncontainable joy. Jesus saves us, not death. So the party has already started. Can I get an amen for that? The party starts now so joy should fill our hearts Right now, in this moment, the joy of the gospel should already be exploding within us. Jesus has already released salvation on us. (laughs) I wrote this in here. Sometimes I write stuff in my notes. I don't know why, but I'm going to say it. So why are we walking around like a bunch of sourpusses? We have a mountain to ascend. Come on. Why do we walk around defeated? Why do we walk around in depression and in anxiety? Listen, we have a mountain that we are allowed to ascend now. The hill of the Lord, he who has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul to an idol, those are the ones given permission to ascend the hill of the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means our hands are spotless. They're totally clean, which means we have permission to go into the very, presence of the Lord. So why don't we do it? Why are we hesitant about approaching the Lord? Listen, why are we not going into the hill of the Lord every single day? Why are we not approaching the throne of grace every chance we get? We have permission 
Yeah, I feel like oftentimes we go through this life waiting to get to heaven to see Jesus when Jesus is available to us right now in this very moment. We have a hill to ascend, church. We have a hill to ascend. Let's stop walking around defeated because we have a hill to ascend. Amen? I want to share with you one other verse that has to do with this hill and, 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 and it shows, too, where the Lord is intending for us to go in this hour. How many of you have heard a little bit about the last days recently and heard all kinds of prophecies, all kinds of scripture? Let me give you another prophecy from the New Testament about the last days. Isaiah chapter 2, verse, 20, or verse 2, we're going to read through 4. Sorry, I normally have these marked myself in here, but I forgot to, so I actually have to remember where things are at in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 2. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Let me stop there. What mountain is he talking about? He's talking about the hill of the Lord, right? He's talking about Mount Zion. He's talking about what Hebrews is telling us about the, the hill we approach, the mountain we approach, amen? It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There, will, there he will teach us his ways and he will walk and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares their spears into hooks, pruning hooks. Nations will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. When does this happen? In the last days. Listen, I've heard all kinds of last days teaching. I've heard all kinds of things talking about in the last days, and most of it is talking about destruction and chaos. Listen, we've had wars, we've had rumors of wars, we've had earthquakes, we've had all of those things, but we've yet to see the nations stop training for war. We've yet to see the world going up and ascending the hill of the Lord. Listen, I believe, I've said it countless times. I said, I believe that the greatest revival in human history is on our doorsteps. And if you truly believe that the last days are upon us, then you have to believe this verse right here, that this is where we are heading. That in the last days, in the last days, people will be begging to ascend the hill of the Lord. That salvation will be the new norm. That people will be coming in droves to ascend the presence, to be in the presence of the Lord. That the most important place on the planet will be the presence of Yahweh. This is where we're headed when nations will lay down their weapons and quit training for war and that, that nations will be at peace with one another. This is the mountain 
we have been given permission to ascend. And this is the mountain that is about to become the most important mountain in the entire world. This is what the end times looks like. Listen, I could get into some of those scriptures and talk about some of those scriptures. I'm not going to because we don't have the time and I don't want you all mad at me. So we're going to stick with this one for right now. This is what the end times is all about, ascending the hill of the Lord, that the mountain we approach is about to become the most important places. And listen, the mountain represents what? It represents the presence of Yahweh. It represents the presence of Jesus, and this is the mountain we are about to ascend. Amen? This is where we are going. This is a picture of the greatest revival in human history we are about to experience. Amen? Let me, let me just finish with this scripture. I know it's been a little bit different this morning, but I want to just finish with this scripture here concerning all of this. It's the end of Hebrews chapter 12. It start, I'm going to start in verse 26. It says, when God spoke from, the Mount, from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake, but not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we received a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. Listen, it says or later earlier in that scripture, it says that the same God that was on Mount Sinai is the same God that is on Mount Zion. That God is still, that just as God shook Mount Sinai, he is still shaking things. That just as God came down from Mount Sinai as a consuming fire, that he is still an all-consuming fire. But here's the difference. We have been granted an unshakable kingdom. Which means this, which means the shakings of the Lord do not shake us that we are steady and that we are firm, that the fire of the Lord, when it comes, it burns up everything that is shakable, everything that is unworthy, and leaves only what is worthy and only what is unshakable. That, the, that, that this is what we're heading to right now, is God restoring the earth to an unshakable kingdom. He is removing everything that is not his kingdom to where all that's going to be left is what we're seeing here in Isaiah chapter 2 is a, is a kingdom that is firmly established, a kingdom that is unshakable. And I believe right now what we are experiencing is just the shakings. It's just the rumblings of the Lord shaking the things, the kingdoms of this world that are not the kingdoms of our God. And I believe once again with all of my heart that we are moving into the greatest revival in history where everything is going to be shaken and all that is going to remain is the kingdom, the unshakable kingdom and his presence and his glory. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are so good. Father, I thank you that because of your blood and the new covenant, that we do not approach Mount Sinai. Father, that we do not approach a mountain where we tremble and fear, but God, we can approach your presence. We can approach the throne of grace boldly 
that we can come before you with complete confidence because of what you've done for us, because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, that this is the gospel, that the gospel is not just about going to heaven. That is a part of the gospel, but is not the totality of the gospel. That the good news is actually that right now, in this moment, salvation has come to us. And we can live a life right now that where we can be in celebration because of what you've done. That right now, we can approach the hill of the Lord. That we can come and ascend the hill of the Lord. Father, I pray this morning, God, that the joy of the gospel would grab every heart this morning. God, that, the, that we would join in the celebration with the numerous angels in heaven and celebrating the goodness of our God and the faithfulness of our Father. God, that right now, the joy of the gospel is that right now we have been made whole and we can approach your throne. God, I thank you, Father. God, that we are moving into a season Many believe it's the last days, that it's the final chapter. God, I believe, Lord, that if that is the case, then what we are moving into is not death and destruction. But God, what we are moving into is new life. What we are moving into now is a kingdom that is unshakable, that everything else that is not of the kingdom is gonna fall away, that is gonna be burned away, but what's gonna remain is your kingdom. And Father, that should give us great joy. Father, that we are part of the unshakable kingdom. God, that what is coming is not death and destruction, but what is coming is joy unspeakable and full of glory. God, what is coming is nations laying down their arms and coming into a place of complete peace because of the goodness of the Lord. What we are coming into is thousands, millions coming to know who you are and ascending the hill of the Lord with us. God, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Not that we get to make it to heaven, but that heaven comes to earth right now in this moment. God, let that fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. God, let that stir in us a passion to ascend the hill of the Lord every moment of every day. Jesus, let that give us a vision to be able to see the regions around us totally, wholly given over to your kingdom. God, let us be able to see with our own eyes the multitudes of our towns and our regions coming to know you in a powerful way, Jesus. Let us be able to see our coworkers grabbing our arms and asking to go with us to ascend the hill of the Lord. Father, let it fill us with unexplainable, uncontainable joy. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Not that you've just invited us to heaven, but that you've restored and you are restoring all things. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good, Father. God, and we just declare this morning, let revival start with us. Let revival start, God, within ourselves this morning, Jesus. God, let joy be released inside of us and let revival begin in our hearts. Give us an Isaiah chapter 2 vision, Father. God, let us see 
the last days like you see them through the eyes of Isaiah chapter 2, where all ascend, where, where they are begging to ascend the hill of the Lord. We honor you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.